0: has his word and today's sermon is, is less uh, expositional less expository more devotional we're not trying to prove pieces of scripture we're more going over themes and ideas today amen but but today uh, we are continuing our lent sermon series we started last week with the baptism of not that the temptation of christ uh, lent is that 40 day period before easter it's like tailgating for easter it's it's this somber celebration preparing our hearts for the resurrection It's a time of preparation characterized by repentance and renewal in our discipleship. And fundamental to our discipleship is prayer, talking to God. And throughout the Bible, we see God's people with great boldness and great reverence remind God of what he has promised and calling on him to do it. Uh, For example, think of King David. Listen to the words of the great king. God made a bunch of promises to David, and see now how David talks to God in prayer. And you can go through all the Psalms, but this is from Chronicles, 1 Chronicles. David says, And now, O Lord, let the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house be established forever, and do as you have spoken. He took hold of God's promises and his word to him. And then in prayer, he turns back to the living God and says, you promised me this, I believe you can do it. Make good on your promises, God. And when, he, when we pray like that, because the Bible is filled with promises to the church, filled with abundance of promises to God's people, when we pray like that, when we remind God of his promises and bring them up before him, it's an act of trust or faith in God's word. I mean, that's simply what it is. It's, by, it's acknowledging that God has spoken, And God is not a man that he should lie, and he will keep his promises to his children. It's an act of faith and in trust. God is willing and able to do what he says he will do. And when we're bold like that, and we're careful like that, and we know his word and his promises, and we turn to him like that, it pleases God. Because without faith, without trust like that in the word of God and his promises, without trust like that, the scripture tells us in Hebrews, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And that's kind of where we're going to plant our flag today on this idea of earnestly seeking God's promises, earnestly seeking his face, uh, persistent and persevering prayer. You can call it whatever you like, but the idea is God made promises. In the scripture, we see people praying in the fashion where they remind God of his promises, and that's how we want to pray And the label we're gonna use for that this morning is striving in prayer, wrestling with God in prayer. Different labels can be used, but it's the same idea. We take God's promises and put them back before him and said, God, you promised, I know you can can make do on your word. And that's really our main point for this morning is that Christ calls us to strive in prayer. Christ calls us to persistent prayer, earnestly seeking him, those types of things. And we're going to use three different scripture readings to work this truth out. So if you can and you're willing, please stand for the reading of the sacred scriptures. Hear now the words of the living and true God. Genesis 32, 22-32. It's the story of Jacob. It says, the same night, Jacob arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. Apologies, I've been sick all week. It's going to be a lot of coughing and a lot of pausing. Could someone bring me another bottle of water? Not a joke, please. I got sick on the last day of travel, and it's still in me. Thank you, Tony. Ooh, and cough drops. You are a saint. And Vicks, all together. Let's focus on the cough drops. Walk in pharmacy. God bless you, wife. And a couple of weeks ago, we just had the same problem. So I'm going to tuck them in my mouth already. I'm going to read a little quieter because I already can't breathe. He took them and sent them across the stream, verse 23, and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, the man wrestling with Jacob, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he replied, Jacob. Then the man said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. Second lesson reading, Romans 5, 1 through 5, the Apostle Paul. He says, therefore, he's making a conclusion to an argument. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Fifteen twenty one to twenty eight. It says, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from the region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. And Jesus answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered, oh, woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desired. And her daughter was healed instantly. Thanks be to God for his word. Marshall Medill, would you pray for us? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we are able to be in your house here this morning with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we lift Brother Adam up to you right now. And we thank you for his willingness to serve you in spite of not feeling very well this morning physically. His spirit is obviously willing, and we just pray that you soothe his throat and calm his cough right now so he can share the message that you have poured into his heart. Open our hearts to receive the message that you have for us here this morning. We lift this up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for your patience as I cough. But uh, as we said, church, our main point today is that Christ calls us to strive in prayer, to seek him earnestly, to hold him to his words, different ways to describe it. But it's the same idea. God made promises, and in prayer we turn to him and remind him of them. For to strive means to make great effort to obtain or struggle or fight vigorously. It's going to be a long Sunday morning. And in our two scripture readings, we saw that this is really illustrated well. We're using our sermon or our sermon text as illustrations more today than teaching points. But we saw in our Old Testament reading uh, the patriarch Jacob literally wrestling with God. And then we met a Gentile woman who would not be hindered from entreating Jesus to heal her daughter, despite his offensive rejection of her. It's a fascinating stories. But both of these are perfect illustrations for what we're talking about today of striving in prayer, wrestling in prayer, holding on to God's word and not letting go because Jesus is the word of God. And this is the heart of what we're talking about. Not letting go of God's promises, not letting Jesus go. He says he can do things, he will do things, just like we read in our offering and communion today. And we hold God to his word because he made promises to his people. It's not that we... I want to clarify what we're not talking about. We're not demanding God do anything. You know, you can't twist God's arm. You can't make, you're immortal. You can't make the living God do anything. You can't. Nor do we believe here at Grace Community Church, though. I don't mean to sound offensive. I wrote hocus pocus. I said the word of faith, hocus pocus. If you belong to a word of faith, church, forgive me. But we don't espouse that here. You know, we don't just claim to that faith, my faith can do anything. Like, as long as I believe hard enough, it's going to happen. Like, we don't. We don't espouse that either. That's, that's controlling God some way. Nor are we talking about self-empowerment or prosperity gospel nonsense. None of that. We are talking about pursuing God's promises in the scriptures and reminding God of them. Wrestling with God, so to speak. That's going to be kind of our, our illustration is like striving in prayer, wrestling in prayer. God made promises. We're not letting them go. That's what we're talking about today. And the first thing we should know about striving with Christ in prayer or this persevering in prayer, this idea of laboring in our prayers, is that many of the times when we enter these deep seasons of prayer, it's providential. It's providential. And what I mean is this. We don't always have these deep strivings in prayer. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like most of the times our life is pretty normal. We just give thanks to God for the regular things. Like day-to-day carries on. But there are times in our lives to grow us in faith, to grow us in trust in the word. God will providentially move our lives into helpless positions. And if you've been in one of those helpless positions, you know what I'm talking about. What it's like to feel like you control nothing in your life. I wrote, God is the initiator of these deep striving matches, if you will. So consider our Old Testament reading. We're not really elaborating on Jacob's life. I'd encourage you to read Jacob's story. We're only catching a snapshot here. But think about this. God promised Jacob many things. Oh. God promised Jacob. Thanks. God promised. You can hear that clicking in my mouth. Forgive me. In our Old Testament reading, Jacob is at a pivotal point in his life. God promised him a lot of things, namely that through him, he would be the chosen lineage to eventually bear the Messiah. But he has this great conflict with his estranged brother Esau. And now he's coming back and he's at a point now where he's going to come face to face with his brother for the first time in a long time. And he's afraid he's going to die. He's afraid his brother is going to kill him. He is in a very bad spot. Yeah, he splits up his family, as we read. We're only getting the snapshots, but he's in a powerless position. Esau runs a country. Esau has an army. Esau is like the king of, this, of the Edomites. Jacob and his little family of 11 and some wives and some servants, he doesn't know what to do. He's got no one to turn to except for God. He's in real danger and has no outs. He's in a powerless position. Consider the Canaanite woman in our gospel reading. Her daughter is possessed by a demon. She's sick and messed up. She's got this possession that, you know, we know as Christians, no earthly doctor can heal her. She's desperate. She has no one to turn to. There's no medicine that can help her daughter. She's powerless in this scenario. She needs God's help. Both of these scenarios, the characters, they're, they're in vulnerable positions in life right now, difficult positions in life. And the only help they have to turn to is the living God. And I would say this is God's handiwork. This is orchestrated by God. There's no incidences in our lives that God has not planned out. This is God's handiwork in their lives because he providentially will bring us into these places where our resources will run dry. We don't have any help and we don't know what we're gonna do. And when that happens to you, you are right where God wants you to be because he's gonna grow you in trust and faith in him. And when we're like that, that's when we pray our best. We pray our best when we realize there ain't no more rope to hold on to. We pray our best when the ship is sinking and we realize this is it, when we have no one to help us. These characters are in that scenario. No one can help them but God. And God promises goodness and mercy to those who call upon him. And that's where these characters are at. And in both stories, as we'll see, or as we read, Jesus comes to, their, to those people in their hour of need. You know, in Jacob's case, it says, it goes from one moment, he sends his family away, and it says he's alone. And the next sentence, this, this guy just appears. It's, it's one of those random stories that fits a bigger motif in Jacob's life of God's presence. It's one of those turning points in Jacob's life. You could spend a lot of time on this wrestling story with God. But he's alone, and then Jesus shows up. Shows up to meet with him. And who initiates the wrestling? The man does. The figure does. It says he wrestled with Jacob. Not the other way around. And think of the gospel reading. Jesus leaves Israel and Galilee to go to a pagan city and place to meet providentially with this one woman in her need. He could have ministered to a bunch of people in Tyre and Sidon. But he leaves this one place to travel quite a distance to meet with this woman in her hour of need. These types of prayer moments in our lives or seasons of prayers are providential. They're God's designed to grow us and trust in him. And in both stories, both characters, they enter into a... Both characters, they enter into this... A metaphorical wrestling match. Well, Jacob, it's not metaphorical. But remember, talking to Jesus, encroaching upon Jesus, coming to him is prayer. And so we see, as an illustration, Jacob now entering this prayer wrestle, so to speak, and this woman actually coming to the Christ and saying, I need help. And they both begin this struggle with Jesus to get the blessings and provision they need from God because they have no other help. No one can help them. And this leads us to our second point. Striving in prayer, wrestling with Jesus, whatever illustration you want to use to talk about persevering in prayer, it brings real blessings to people that do not give up. Striving in prayer brings real blessings. Because church, when we hold God to his word, as we read David did, as this woman asking for help did, as Jacob did when he says, I will not let you go unless you bless me, God fulfills his promises. He keeps his word to you and to me. And these stories are just illustrations to teach that truth. In Jacob's case, like we said, he was promised great things. If he was to die, that means that God was a liar and hadn't actually chosen him to use his family, to produce Israel, to bring the Messiah, those types of things. Remember, think of all the times Abraham got into trouble and God spared Abraham and all the other patriarchs. Happens all the time. Or even King David. He was being hunted by Saul. All the times he was going to get killed by Saul, who delivered David from death to keep his promises? The Lord did. God keeps his promises to us. And David's life is also a great illustration. Powerless all the time. Being hunted by the king and his army. And yet God spared him. And again, this woman, powerless. Who can heal demonic possession other than the Lord? And yet Jesus shows up. But imagine imagine though, if they gave up. Hold that thought. If holding on to God's word and not letting go until he keeps his promises brings blessing. Imagine if these people, like think of the woman, this is in my mind specifically, imagine that woman. She comes to Jesus, we just read. She's saying, Lord, heal me, my, heal my daughter. And it says, Jesus was silent to her. Imagine if in those moments of trial, wrestling with this Christ because you know, she knows he can heal. She calls him the Messiah. She calls him the lineage of David. That's acknowledging that he's the Messiah. I don't doubt she heard the stories. She knows to go out and meet him. She knows he's in the area. It's like, what a great leap of faith. Like, Jesus is coming to my town. I'm gonna go meet him. And then you're there and you're like, heal my daughter. You're my only hope. And he just won't talk to you. Imagine if she took his silence as his ultimate no. Imagine how different that story would be. Or when he offends her and calls her a dog, which is a, that's a lot to unpack in this story, seeing an offense of Jesus, but uh, he's never called me a dog. But like, that's a, this is one of those like big stories where we can unpack a lot to it. But the point is she wants her daughter healed and it ain't happening. And Jesus is like just saying, no, 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 no. Like putting a stumbling block in front of her. Imagine if she was to say, all right, you've rejected me twice. I'm done. You just don't want me healed or my daughter healed. How radically different the story would be. But she pressed in. She knows the Messiah came to heal and to save the nations. She doesn't take no. She knows he can heal. And what happens in the story? She stays on and gets what she needs for her daughter. But if we take that same thought, imagine how many of us Christians today, when we don't have God answer our prayers right now, we give up. We say, God, I asked you to help with this and you're not delivering. Um, Like, I'm just done. How often we as modern Christians do that. We know God made a bunch of promises to his people. We know he's for us, not against us. I mean, we could list, I bet if we asked around this room, we could come up with dozens and dozens of promises in the Bible for the church. But what happens when our personal lives, we walk away and say, God, you didn't do blank. I'm done. It happens, right? We miss out on the blessing that God has prepared for us. And hopefully it's one of those growing points where we can look back on our lives and say, yeah, I stopped pursuing Christ and we can grow from those things. But he leads us to these places to be desperate to grow us, not just to harm us, to grow us. He's prepared blessing for us. Often in ways we don't understand but God is good and he promises to be with us and bless us. And we're supposed to pursue that in prayer. So don't stop praying. I mean, we're kind of skipping a little bit to application, but I'd encourage you. Some of you, I bet if we took stories in this room, you've been praying for 10, 20, 30 years for something. Maybe you're praying for the salvation of your children. Do not stop. Do not stop crying out to the living God. He hears, he knows, and he has blessing prepared for that. Whatever it is. Do not stop praying. Do not stop wrestling, so to speak, with Jesus over his promises to you. But I would even say, though, this is probably more for those who aren't Christian, kind of skipping ahead to our third point, is that when we actually wrestle with God in prayer and get the blessings we need, we really get the greatest blessing we could ever need and that's harmony with God wrestling with Jesus fundamentally this persistent prayer with Christ is what actually brings someone into harmony with God and what I mean is this think about your own conversion and just how the conversion works when we come to the knowledge of the gospel the gospel tells us who we really are correct you're a, you're a wretched sinner you've offended a holy God you violate his precepts and commands willfully and joyfully regularly, and you enjoy it. You enjoy your sin. But then the gospel says, do you believe that about you? And when we start to hear about this Jesus and what he's done, it forces us to recognize who we really are. And then all that, that think about that, that internal wrestling match happens. Who's gonna be the Lord of your heart? Are you gonna admit what you really are, what you've really done before the living God, your sin and all your wrongdoing? or are you gonna keep opposing Jesus? I'm telling you, conversion itself is like the greatest wrestling match all of us have faced. And if you've gone through that, I bet we can go around this room like regularly and get testimony and ask people, what was it like for you to actually let go of the control of your life? What was it like for you to lose to Jesus in this wrestling match, so to speak? What's it like for you to lay down control of your life and embrace the Lord Jesus Christ? It's a battle. It forces us to let go of our wants, our desires, our will, because we only live for the will of the living God. No longer my desires matter, what Christ desires. I'm telling you, that's a struggle. And if you're here today, and you're hearing about this Jesus and what he's done for you, how he loves you and died for your sin, the things we sing about, the thing we practice in communion, it forces you to admit who you really are. It forces you to admit what you need. And that takes some humility. And that's probably the greatest wrestling match ever with Jesus. And the question is for you, if you're not Christian, have you done that? Have you bowed the knee to Jesus in this wrestling match? Have you allowed him to sit on the heart, the throne of your heart? I hope I'm making sense. I feel scatterbrained right now from all the coffin. But wrestling with Jesus is glorious because it brings us to conversion. And it's how God blesses us. And if you have never engaged in that, the claims of the Bible and what it means about you and how you're to respond, I'd encourage you. Come during the altar time, let's talk about that. Let's pray about that. Let's talk about what it means to actually surrender to Jesus. And for those of you who have accepted this Jesus, who have, like Jacob, when his hip was popped out of socket and he got his new name, there's a lot of symbolism in that. If you have gone through that and you have been converted and you have bowed the knee to Jesus, are you still praying like you did when you first got saved? Do you still believe prayer matters? Or have you gotten, how you put, have you become a lazy Christian, so to speak? And so we're gonna close real soon. But during this time of Lent, this preparation time, this renewal time, are you praying to actually have a renewed prayer life? That would be my simple challenge for today. Just skipping through a lot of the sermon because we're not gonna be able to endure it all. My voice can't handle it. But that's the challenge today. Is your prayer life where it needs to be? Are you still fervent in prayer? Are you still relentlessly seeking God, holding Him to His Word, or have you given up and try to live as like a I heard one pastor call it a Christian atheist? You've professed Christ, but you live like an atheist. That's the Christian that stopped praying. Is that you? do you need to be renewed in this season as we prepare for Easter? And for those who have never bowed the knee to Jesus, he is ready and here this morning to begin that wrestling match with you to win the love of your heart. And when the altar is opened, whether you come down and pray or wanna to talk to us or not, we're gonna be praying for you. I'd encourage everybody here, pray for your own prayer life and pray for somebody you know that has not bowed the knee to Christ. Pray that God would shake that person and get them to be aware of their great need so they too can begin this conversion journey with us. I hope what I said makes sense. There's a lot more we could have said, but we're just skipping through the sermon today. But know this, if there's anything you remember, that woman's story is sticking in my head. Offended by Christ, rejected by Christ two or three times in our short gospel reading, but she is humble and will not stop She knows who Jesus is. Pray like that. Keep pressing into your Jesus, Christian. He does not fail in his promises. And afterwards, he praises her saying, you have great faith. And remember, this woman is a Gentile. She's not a Jew. Just like the centurion, a couple chapters earlier in Matthew, he says, I've never seen faith like this in Israel. She's like the second Gentile Jesus comes into contact with. That's the type of faith we need to be praying for to press in when it feels like God is silent and distant and quiet or even rejects us because we know his word is true and we hold God true to his promises. And he's promised to be with you, to bless you, to carry you in this life, so many things. Use this season to read over the promises of God in the scriptures and remind yourself of what your good savior secured on the cross to give you and remind him of that as you remind yourself, amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time together in my scatterbrained medicine head, coughing fits, but thank you that even in our weakness, you can bring uh, truth from your word. Help us be praying people, Lord, people that have great confidence in prayer. We don't pray just to make ourselves feel good or to ignore problems. We pray because you've promised us many things and you draw us into trust, to love and trust you more. Work on our hearts today. And if there's anybody that does not know you here, Lord, I pray that you would open up their hearts and minds to understand who this Jesus is, how he died on the cross for their sins, their rebellion and their offenses against God, to save them from sin, death, and the devil, to give them eternal life, to make them the men and women he's called them to be to live forever with him and with his church. Do great things this morning for your namesake, Jesus, and the people of God said,